What are you trying to do? No, it's not this one. No, the other side, the other side. It's hard to be a technical... Uh, I think this is pretty technical. good. Oh, yeah. The, the, the other Borg. How do you say Borg? Screw. The other screw. <laughs> Nobody says like, screw you, like, you know what I mean? Like, screw you. How many people have been saying fuck you to each other this week, including me and siblings? It's been uh, <laughs> pretty fucking violence. <clears throat> Monday, October 16th. This is the 10th day of uh, fighting. Today, we have been um, advised, ordered to evacuate uh, uh, many towns in the northern part of Israel near the border with Lebanon. This is far away from Gaza, if you don't know the, the area. But um, the IDF is preparing for several different fronts of combat perhaps two fronts in Gaza and from Lebanon, perhaps three or four fronts. Uh, in any case, some 28 towns, villages, have people just left their homes and evacuated themselves farther away from the northern border, presumably in preparation for combat with Hezbollah in Lebanon. These are the fears in the Israeli military that once uh, any kind of ground invasion happens in Gaza, their friends in the north will begin attacking heavily. And so the army is preparing for that. Fighting is in a sort of tragic stalemate right now. Rockets continue to blast from Gaza into Tel Aviv, into many of uh, the cities of Israel. IDF is bombing Gaza, but nothing is actually moving. They're not entering Gaza, probably still worried about uh, Hamas uh, hiding, probably still worried about um, the reactions from most of the world once they get in. Not a lot of movement in the, in the war right now. We're still counting the dead in Israel. We are over 1,300, I think. Oh, we're almost at 1,400 dead. We're talking about some 200 kidnapped hostages, including women, children, elderly, helpless people, and hundreds more uh, wounded, hundreds more uh, missing. And I want to end with uh, this tweet from um, Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman is an American um, billionaire that is very, very active on social media, talking about the situation in Israel, shocked by student groups, in America, pro-Hamas student groups. Uh, he's leading this cause of, of let's not employ students who are marching for Hamas right now. Uh, it's insane the things that he, he's showing on, on his social media about um, the ignorant uh, people in the West marching for terrorists, uh, supporting uh, this murder. And I just want to read this tweet, which is about, about numbers, okay? He, he's saying, he asks, he's asking his American followers for context on what is to come. Ask yourself how the U.S. would respond if 2,500 Mexican terrorists invaded Texas, brutally killed 1,200, that's 1,200 of our citizens, including women, children, and babies, raping, decapitating, and burning them alive, and kidnapped 150 more, including infants. Those are the numbers that he had a few days ago, right? 
So what, what would you do if you were an American and this happened, right? You would want the most extreme uh, reaction. You want your government and your army to step in and stop this unbelievable atrocity. This goes on. He then asks, now let's adjust those numbers to reflect our 35.5 times larger population in America, right? America has 35.5 times larger population in Israel. That makes it 42,600 Americans killed, 5,325 Americans kidnapped. How would we respond? He asks his American followers. That's the update for today. Today, 80% concrete information and 20% emotional and inside jokes. I don't know if jokes is where we want to go with that one. Let's do it again. I think it's right, right? Sorry, it's like 80% sort of, it's not, is it concrete information? I, I feel like we, I haven't had time to properly like fact check stuff or like, you know, follow up on a bunch of stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm barely sleeping, you know, <laughs> like lots of conversations are being had. And so I'm, concrete it is, is, it is in the world. I wanted to say, not like, Our emotional yesterday, subjective experience. Yeah, yesterday I've been there. It's not I the personal. That. It's like a zoom out kind of. We're like zooming out a little bit and connecting the dots and like beyond our own experience and just kind of, you know, a bunch of the the greater themes, the deeper themes. Maybe that's what we're talking about. Like eighty percent is the 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 bigger themes that we're seeing that are that are kind of coming to the surface. That as this evolves at a breakneck pace. We're in unchartered territory. And then I guess 20% the personal. Is that right? It's taking me a second. We just had an air raid siren as we were about to start recording. My sister. Just that, a second. That's important. You should answer her. In a video. Family dynamics have been, has, has, can we do like maybe 20% on family dynamics for a second? Or I, I don't know, but that, that was a, that's been a really real aspect for me in, in this whole thing. My family's scattered geographically. I have a niece and nephew serving in combat units and our dad is in South Florida and he was a combat medic in six day in Yom Kippur. And, you know, you can leave this place like you were saying yesterday, but you can never really leave. And, you know, and, and I'm the fourth of five children and we're, it's a very diverse family and like everyone's kind of scattered across the states and everyone's scattered across the political spectrum and everyone's scattered across the map in terms of like professions and degrees and whether they ended up getting, you know, a college degree or a graduate degree and whether they didn't and what their take is on all of this and, There's a lot of trauma in the family, and this has been a hugely triggering event for pre-existing trauma, trauma that lives in our chromosomes, but also traumas that we have from our each of our lives. And then this new trauma. And a lot of people are focusing on a body count, you know? They're like sitting there on the other side of the world. Maybe they've never been here. <laughs> and they're just like, ooh, this many people died there and that many people died there as if like, body counts are the only thing that matters. A friend was telling me that their friend is over at NYU in a graduate school program. Too personal. Too personal, but... It's just a friend. Yeah, but that 
that person's Israeli and they're in New York right now. And okay. But I tell you, like every time you shout I know, out it's like friend, too much. It's, it, I know it, it's like, it's, it should be like short and like, I call a friend. I didn't call this person. Someone else recounted this story to me a few nights ago. Never and, mind. Okay. Keep and told me that this person was experiencing isolation, you know, in school this week, like they're in grad level, postdoc, whatever seminars and nobody spoke to her. So she went to the head of the department and was like, what is going on? Why is everyone like ostracizing me? You know? And then he, he gave her some like response, like, Oh, we, you're in our thoughts and prayers, our deepest condolences. We're not really sure how to navigate this. Um, we hope that you have, can we blame them? Like Hold on. They, but then he they, said something that I think is really goes to the heart of the matter. He said something like, well, we really hope that you and your loved ones are safe as if like, if I haven't suffered some sort of bodily injury, like I'm totally fine. Like we're not being super triggered and like our hearts not everywhere and that this hasn't been harrowing and that this isn't super scary for Jewish people in the diaspora that are, you know, in New York City, where it's it's essentially neo-Nazis parading around New York City. New York City has been home to Jewish people since the 1600s. And it's been home to Holocaust survivors. And it was home to Jews during the Holocaust. And there's so many dimensions of this. And so what does that even mean to say, well, you know, I just hope you and the people that you directly know are safe. This isn't about me and the people that I directly know. This is a bigger collective thing this is a huge collective trauma there's family trauma being reignited there's stuff on an individual level this is like so many dimensions that it's just yeah i guess i'm messy as fuck i'm not my my weakness as a person going before this even started is like drilling down making things concise like i tell a story in like 18 parts and then they like connect and so i'm not shining at being concise right now i'm a messy messy fuck Well, I don't know if I fully agree. And that's because, first of all, those people live their life over there. And I don't know, you, for example, have, how do you say, תחושת שליחות? אולי תסביר לי, כי שליחות יכול להיות כאילו כל מיני דברים. שכאילו את בשליחות לגבי המשימה, לגבי... אני חושבת שהרבה מאיתנו בשליחות. כל אחד מאיתנו יש לו כאילו איזה יעד. אז איך אומרים? You know, it's, you know, troops get on the air and they talk about this call to duty. Okay, so you have duty for the collective and the people from this university tell her like your family. Yeah, because she's going through it, right? Like people have been like, oh, you're safe or like my dad's safe. My dad is super yeah, but, fucking but, triggered right but, now. But, like it took us days to chill him out, you know, which wait, is... But wait, what I want to talk about is just, it seems like you're really in a duty also in this podcast. Like you really care about like, situation and Jewish in the world. And I can tell you, I'm like Israeli. I've served in the military. I know people that right now they are in reserve. And actually in the bottom, like it's really sad to say that, but of course I'm thinking about myself. Like if someone will call me to do like, uh, to go to the military right now, I don't think I will have this duty uh, voices inside of me. Like, actually, if I can, like, I'm extremely sad for everyone, but if I can be like for a second, 
genuine. The reason I do this podcast is not for Asbara. You're not doing it for propaganda, neither am I. No, I'm doing it because maybe I think somewhere that someone here right now in New York, uh, like podcast group will call me one day and tell me like, man, you want to fucking get the fuck out of Israel? We have a job here. Like, oh, come on, dude. Yes. No way. Yes, I'm, I'm very sad for everyone. I'm very sad for situation. But there's many times in my life that I don't want to be Israeli, that I want to escape. And in a sense, I have, I want for myself something better than the reality I have here. Sorry. I guess what a lot of people are waking up to is even if they are Jews who march alongside every other like civil rights movement right now, including like Me Too and stuff, right now, there's no... outrage about what's going on. There's literal video footage taken by Hamas and people are like, is this real? But we didn't see enough of the footage. We didn't see enough of the harrowing footage to believe you. And when Me Too was going on, there was this whole um, part of that movement that was like, we believe you. It was women saying to women survivors who were saying, this happened to me. And we were saying, we believe you, we're with you without any photographic or video evidence of what happened to them. So this isn't, you know, for a long time, the, the debate was, oh, are people who are critical of Israel, critical of Zionism, or are they critical of Judaism? And I, I am wary of false paradigms, like a this or that. I think reality is a lot more complicated. And we've gotten into this. We were just in the shelter with Israel. non-jewish bodies eritrean refugees like there's this is our reality this is where we are right now it's not just jews on this block underneath those air raid sirens the little kids the moms who are like completely distressed is also super triggering from that for them and their life experience but as someone who moved here at the age of 25 after going to law school in the states having lifelong friends that are jewish being the granddaughter of an Auschwitz survivor and Holocaust decimating all the wings of my family, um, there is a really, really troubling is, is a word that doesn't quite capture it, aspect of this that even if you're the best fucking Jew of all time, like the MVP of like human rights, like devoted your whole fucking life to the advancement Of human rights for all peoples people want you fucking dead and that and even if you leave here and even if you're not part of this and even if you you're living in fucking Iceland or Berlin or whatever and you're working on whatever you're working on and you're holding space for everyone and you're you're, you're devoting your life to this you're still not you're still not worthy of a life being preserved, being respected, given dignity. And harrowing shit, harrowing rapes on a crazy scale. Like if you watch the videos on national like news networks around the world, there have been some really interesting videos pulled together of news anchors who have been covering conflict around the world for decades And they're breaking down and crying. Government officials breaking down and crying. 
they've seen footage that hasn't even been released yet. They've seen things and they're just crying. They're saying things. They're Christians. They're completely American. They're not, they, they maybe have never even been here barely. And they're just like, this is one of the worst massacres in our history, in our shared history as people on this planet. This crimes against humanity happened this week against humanity. So this hits on so many levels. There's a higher moral standard for Jews. There's a double standard. There is anti-Semitism, full stop. And there have been people who are like, oh, I'm not sure that people really don't like us. They don't. There is still anti-Semitism. Never again doesn't really mean it's never going to happen again, is what I'm realizing. It will. I cannot guarantee that my, 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 my niece's grandkids, if they decide to procreate and there's still a humanity over there, like, in 200 years with everything going on with the climate and whatever, I can't guarantee that there aren't going to be more massacres and pogroms unfolding live. And as someone who was working on not just preventing mass atrocity crimes with respect to the Jews, but with respect to all peoples, I'm frankly fucking outraged. I'm outraged by the inability of people who have, you know, have taken the moral high ground their whole lives and de devoted themselves to preventing these things. They're hedging. They're not speaking up. They're, they're, their silence is making them complicit. And it is, it is, it's like my friend today was reflecting and she's, a, she's an angel of light. She works in, in healing and wellness. And she said, what is going on with Jewish women? You know? Are we like at the bottom of the barrel? Like our bodies are, are, are worthy of meeting an end like so many of those women ended on Saturday and beyond and still there are hostages? Hostages is the wrong word, excuse me. Kidnapped? Because this isn't like, this is, sorry, I haven't refreshed my international law background, but like, this isn't people that were soldiers that were taken on the front lines during war. This is violations of rules of war. This is not, this is not a gray area. This is like full stop, complete violations. So the equivocation and the pretense that this is the same. And now we have to argue that we're not the same while we're still like completely triggered, trying to regulate, like self-regulate. Okay. It's insane. And I, and I was thinking today Wait, about- it's insane. Okay, That's it's insane. Oh, great, another siren. Let's speak about it. Can? Can. Really? In Do English. So we just had an air raid siren, and I'm thinking about something you said before. That you know, you don't you don't feel this call to duty like a soldier. Which I mean, I think you don't have to be a soldier to feel a call of duty or contribute here. But leaving that aside, you said something along the lines of, you know. You, you're not really into the, you don't really care that much about the collective. You just, you know, you want a, a ticket out of here. You want to like get a call from like Ira Glass in New York or something. And 
first of all, like I, I only know you what, like a week <laughs> and I know that you care. So I think for our listeners, it's just not, it's not an accurate depiction of who you are. Like you care. I think we're both people that just care. We care a tremendous amount. If you didn't care, then maybe you'd be recording a different podcast or maybe you would have, you know, completely checked out or maybe just be watching, I don't know, doing something else, but you care. So I'm, I'm afraid that our listeners are going to think that you don't care or that you're being flippant about this or that you're selfish or something like that. And then if they think those things about you, that they're just going to be like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't want to listen to him. Like, this is gross. I don't want to participate in this. I don't want to give this a heart on Spotify. I don't want to share this with my friends. And then I think it's really damaging to what we're trying to do here, which is to try to like get, get people listening. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. Like I hear you. Or but of course I care. Of course I call my family four times a day and all to my friends, which now wear uniform guarding in the border. Of course I'm afraid. afraid. Of course I want a better days for everyone. I want justice. I, I'm looking at the footage from the party and I'm. it makes me sick. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But... Is it that so wrong to want to live a better life? Like, this is kind of life I wish to myself, to my children. This place, like, I, seriously, I mean, if this thing happened, it's mean like it could happen again. So sorry that I care just for my family and my friends and people I know and my, and my personal life. And this is before we we started to talk about that. Right now, I don't. I live in the most expensive city in Israel. You think people want to have podcast right now? I will earn earn yeah yeah. I will earn one thousand dollar this month, and it's the same to all my friends who I don't know musician artist. But it's everyone, anyone that's freelance. I'm freelance. I'm yeah. a freelance lawyer and translator yeah. and I have zero income coming in. There's no help from the government. Corona left us, you know, kind of stranded. This is, And it's already economically so, dire living here. We're so basically think, all volunteering around the clock. It's not sustainable from a financial perspective living here. So you think someone now in New York sitting in his cozy apartment listening to this podcast after he while he washed dishes after like a great meal and regular life, maybe now after he washed the dishes, he will go out and drink beer, will give a criticize about me wants the best to just people I know and not to all Jewish community. Sorry, I don't want to be a Jewish. I don't want to be Israeli. I just want to give people a perspective that we're just regular people. We don't want any war. I don't want... I, I tell you that my children will not go to the military, duty or no duty. Even if this country will like burned out, they will not go to military. Okay. Like I did it 10 years after this kind of thing happened. Like, is it matter? Like, what's the point you're asking? What's the point? I, I think that's the heartbreak that a lot of us were experiencing this year with the judicial reform. I was like, what was the point? What was the point of my father, you know, bringing back all that, it, it you know people are like oh you go to war and then you come back from war and it's like hunky dory everything's fine but the war rages on people got out of holocaust and the trauma never ends 
my grandmother was dying in, in 85 when my mom was pregnant with me. And my father recounted this when the conflict was going on in 21. And he said, she, you know, she never told her testimony. She never said anything. Nobody knew what happened to her in the camps. Nobody knew about her life before. It was just like a black box. And he was there with her in the hospital. She was dying. And she was having these horrific, she was just having nightmares and screaming in her sleep. And in her sleep, she was kind of shouting in Hungarian, please take the dogs away. Please just take the dogs away. And my father asked our, our loving wonderful, may you rest in peace, Saba Bondi, our grandfather, oh, what's going on? And he said, oh, she's, she's been like this for a long time. She, she's having flashbacks of Auschwitz where they had the German shepherds and she was always scared of dogs. And when I translated the Holocaust testimonies of those women that were in Mengele's labs a few years ago, one of the interviews that was so powerful to me, it was, I mean, they were all like insane. But towards the end of one of them, it, it's it's in the 80s and they ask her, you know, is this still with you? Do you still think about this? And she said, every day, all the time. And I'll tell you something, it doesn't end with me. I see it in my kids and I see it in my grandkids. I see the effect of this. And the trauma is just so, I was thinking today, you know, all the people on the extreme left and the extreme right that are just like, oh, I don't want war. You know what, if you don't want war, I wanna see you rallying for funding to, to heal trauma actual psychedelic drug reform in Israel. I want to see real fucking healing for all the families who have PTSD, for their kids who have CPTSD. If you want to heal this place, if you want to heal any place in the world, we have to see each other's trauma. We have to understand that everyone has trauma and we have to heal. And there's not going to be any peace. There's not going to be any reconciliation, not here or anywhere in the world, not in any family until there's real healing. And that's it. You know, and in terms of a better life there, my friends in New York, my Jewish New York friends who grew up there and had friends, you know, I went to like United Colors of Benetton public school and I, I had Korean friends and Chinese friends and, and everyone, you know, and it was just like, we believe that there was room for everyone and you keep it real. And there's like New York values, right? Like you keep it real, you call people out. You're like, you, you good. Like that's the New York phrase. And this is just like a betrayal to the core because you find out that your friends weren't really your friends. And some of them, even your Jewish friends, like never really like, like they're just like pro, what they're pro anti-Semites, like is, is what's going on. It's harrowing. And even before this was going on, it's not easy. I know a lot of people here are like, oh, America, it's just like an easy place. It's not the nineties, the nineties in America, that was cool. Dream team, nineties, whatever. It doesn't exist anymore. It never really did. The American dream is also an American nightmare. And a lot of people have been stuck in it for a really, really long time. And there's a lot of aspects that I don't even want to get into, but in terms of being free and feeling free to be a Jew and to be a regular Jew, I feel freer here in Israel than I did in America when I happened to be there in May 21 when everything was going down. Because there I had to explain myself constantly. There was a double standard. You know, you can't be like a good democratic Jewish American if you're also like Israeli and you support you know, your father, who's like a combat, sol like an ex-combat soldier, and you support your nephew, who's a, a volunteer paratrooper, like you have to pick. And Iranian Americans don't have to pick. And Russian Americans don't have to pick. And it's just nefarious, really, the, the double standard that's foisted continually on the Jewish people. And that in its own right is the anti-Semitism. You feeling like you don't even want to be Jewish anymore, that is 
That is the point here. That is another aspect of this ongoing psychological dimension to this heinous war that is still going on. Let's call it a war is even, I don't even know. But I had this thought this weekend that I can't sing. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Where all across the land, people are chanting from the river to the sea. I will go now to my sister. That's important. And think about myself for uh, this evening. I hope it's okay, guys. And that's it. Now we do like a short credit. People get it. Yeah, they get it. Thank you to Shema. Thank you to Jonathan Gall. Maya Schlesinger, Dor Comet, and I'm Amy Sapan. Thank you for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.